0: This week's episode is with Shivani Ubroi. Shivani and I worked at Sky together for probably about 10 years, but we never actually met. So Shivani started networks like Women in Leadership and Multicultural at Sky. Networks that are really impacting the Sky culture and making it more inclusive and more diverse. We have a great conversation about her journey into leadership first starting at PwC, then starting her career at Sky and how she grew into leadership through things like the networks that she started, having to learn to manage up and manage senior leaders and senior execs within Sky. We also talk about where does that ability to challenge and to to change the status quo come from? And she tells a quite, to be honest, quite heartbreaking story about an interaction she had with her grandma when she was young and how that pushed her to become someone who challenges and who changes the status quo. I really enjoyed my conversation with Siobhan, Siobhan. I really enjoyed my conversation with Shivani and I'm sure you will too. If you don't, I would love for you to let me know. Email me hello at dunamisq.com and I'd love to hear your feedback, good good or bad. So I'm Tolly. I started this podcast so that I could connect people like you with leaders like Shivani, people who lead with great emotional intelligence so that you can learn to lead yourself and others better with emotional intelligence. Let's get into the episode. Shivani, welcome to the podcast, it's great to have you on, thanks for joining.
1: Thank you for inviting me, I'm glad to be here.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. So you're someone that I've seen from afar because we were both at Sky for quite a long time. So it's really, really great to, to actually meet you and hear, hear some of your journey.
1: I think it's interesting because I feel like I know you yeah. and because I know you from LinkedIn and because of course we worked at Sky together, but we actually never met in person, which is actually quite crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like I have met you before.
0: I know right because I've seen so much of you on social media and that's what I think is great about social media is that connection without necessarily having met someone so it does make things like this quite cool actually.
1: Yeah I think I'm actually I'm really late to social media so I was kind of like adverse to it for years and I've tried Mm. to like not use it and then it's only when I left Sky actually I started posting on LinkedIn but it's been really nice actually to connect to people like you and then reconnect with people at Sky and I guess keep those relationships going um, because I was at Sky for 13 years and then I was gone mm. and mm. actually there was that feeling of wow now I feel all alone and then yeah. actually by connecting and speaking to people on social media that sense of I guess yeah being part of that community is still there
0: yeah and and the Sky community on LinkedIn is awesome like they're always like popping up in my comments and stuff and like yeah it just it's just it still feels a bit like home in a lot of ways like yeah
1: and you know. so supportive and it's just yeah, yeah it's really nice yeah yeah
0: it's amazing. It's amazing. So you mentioned you are at Sky for 13 years. What would mm-hmm. you say are the top things you learn about leadership while you are at Sky?
1: I guess the first thing is it's hard. <laughs> and that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And I think when you're at the start of your career, you really just want to be a leader, right? Yeah. And you see all the great things about being a leader, you know, the power that comes with it, the autonomy that comes with yeah. it. And I think once you start going on your leadership journey, you start to realize that actually, yes, the autonomy is great. And yes, the responsibility and power is great to a degree. But actually, there is a lot of challenges that come with it as well, you know, whether that's with like people management, whether that's keeping your team inspired and motivated, whether it's like protecting them um, from the stress and overwhelm that you might be feeling. Um, And actually, there's a lot of weight and and responsibility and that can be quite hard actually and i think yeah you don't appreciate that until you become a leader
0: i think i think like the hard moments are the hidden moments so like everything that you just mentioned people don't see that from the outside they don't see when your team's demotivated and you have to figure out they don't necessarily see the low performers that you have to figure out so you, they see all the glamour of like you're on the stage and you're doing this and you're doing that but they don't see the the hidden moments
1: exactly which is why you don't know about it until you become one and then you realize wow okay um so that would be number one okay um she so asked me three so second uh what was the question again
0: so what are the top three things that you learned about leadership
1: from learned, your time at okay time? Yeah. so yes yeah, so first it's hard second there's like no right way of being a leader i think again when you're looking at your role models of leaderships and i think When I started at Sky, there were quite similar leaders who Mm. led in a very similar way. Mm. And I didn't maybe possess all of those same, I guess, attributes. And I guess that gave me a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm. Actually, can I be a leader? Mm. And actually, and then I became a leader. And I guess my journey to becoming a leader, I realised actually, I have some other skills that actually are really useful to being a leader. And there is no one way. Mm. And I think that was really brilliant. Um, to I guess dispel that myth that can also be out there that there is one way to lead and and that's just not right
0: Hmm. Hmm. so you mentioned your journey kind of to leadership What, what did that look like a little bit
1: so my career was very mixed and very not traditional. So I started my career in finance. Okay. So finance is quite hierarchical. So you you come in, you qualify, and then you essentially start climbing the ladder. But it's quite black and white. Um, to the point that you know they give you a rough indication in two to three years you'll be a manager and then senior manager and then head off. So I guess that 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 climb started pretty early on, and. I then started doing some diversity work on the side, and I think that gave me, I guess, more breadth of skills, which then allowed me to maybe climb that ladder a bit quicker, um, potentially, than I thought I could. And then I became head of, I can't remember how many years ago, and then I, I guess I had my first biggest team where i started really understanding the the challenges of leadership and and how to motivate when you're now actually a leader because i think i was doing it when i was a manager and actually i remember in my reviews all my senior leaders always used to say how actually my people skills were really good and they would sometimes come to me for advice but i think when i then became became a leader yeah it was just different i think i think i found it easier when i didn't have to be one if you know what i mean
0: so when you were a, a manager, you weren't actually mm. managing people. Is that what you I mean? I was,
1: but like one or two. Like when okay. I think about leadership, I think of it slightly different than managing. So when I was a manager, okay. I had a couple of people, and I, I guess my role was really about managing the day-to-day, managing the development, Got and you. then <laughs> leadership really to me is more when you become. I guess maybe like head of a department or a wider team, where it's actually more about just managing the day-to-day priorities, but actually it's about motivating them, inspiring yeah. them, you know, yeah. really making them understand how they connect to the bigger picture, um, which is different, right? And I think um, yeah. leadership skills and managerial skills are really, really different. And a good manager doesn't mean they will be a good leader and vice versa. Yeah. Um, i think i was actually a better leader than a manager to be honest because (laughs) (laughs) i think that part just came more naturally to me um and that's the part that i really enjoyed um Mm. but again i think we don't um, necessarily think about it in that way
0: Mm. Mm. because i never thought of it in terms of that transition from manager to leader because i know Mm. there is a difference between managing and leading but i feel like I guess for me, I've always kind of lent more towards the leading than the managing. So Mm. I didn't necessarily, but you're right. It is a transition from I'm a manager to, okay, now I have broader responsibilities. Now I have to maybe lead outside of my comfort zone and things that I know. So you're right. It's, it's definitely a bit different.
1: And I think like we get caught up in the day to day, but, and then often many people don't do the leadership that they need to do because Mm. it almost gets deprioritized because we're focused on the deliverables and the day to day tasks that we need to do. But it is such an important part. And I think maybe if we talk about it more, it brings it to life a little bit more and then maybe people prioritize it more.
0: Mm. Mm. Cause I think that you get so used to being a doer, but as a mm. leader, like that's what you're meant to do almost the least of, you know, you're meant to lead things and it's hard.
1: Well, exactly. Like one day you're, you're a doer, then you're promoted and then you're a leader and, for some of us, if it happens that quickly, we're like, oh right, now I need to do this whole big thing, but like, did I get trained? Have I got the right yeah. skill? Like, do we even think about it in that way? And often we don't. So, actually, which is why, yeah, there's lots of managers that are not good leaders because they haven't been given that support and they haven't even had those conversations what good leadership looks like. Because, again, mm. I've like, been so focused on the doing. Mm. And then when you become a manager, you're more responsible for the doing of your team,
0: mm. which, is,
1: which is right. But actually, your um, responsibility is so much more wider than that.
0: Mm. Mm. And that's something that I've really seen is that people are good at their job, so they get promoted, but they're not equipped with the skills because it's a very different skill set so what were some of the ways that you learned to grow as a leader
1: I think for me like I said before I think some of it just came more naturally because I'm a very people person I think you know I have high levels of emotional intelligence I like to, to really like get to know people listen to them and I think part of that was just natural so I think I I naturally started doing the things that leaders should do around inspiring the team and motivating the team and I think a lot of it comes by taking that step back and reflecting and thinking about okay what is my responsibility wider than how do I actually make sure my team gets stuff done and it isn't just about making sure they understand the task right it's about making sure they're motivated to do it it's making sure that they engage to do it it's also just to make sure you understand that everyone also has their life outside of work and that can also impact their performance. So as a good leader, you need to be a, you need to be mindful of that. And I think just not being like tunnel visioned on the role and the job and the task is so, so important. So for me, I think it did come quite naturally. I didn't go on a leadership course or any of those things. I think part of it just came with that self reflection. And I guess looking at leaders above me and just thinking about who's doing it well and who isn't, I, which leaders are truly my role models and which ones are not and then just thinking about actually so what do they do and the good ones get to know their teams and Mm -hmm. make time for you know team meetings and team events outside of just the day job and I guess yeah maybe I learned from watching them and understanding Mm -hmm. that's the kind of leader I want to be and maybe emulate a little bit of what they were doing.
0: Who would you say was your most inspirational leader or the best leader that you've had?
1: Do you want a name or you want a name? If you're comfortable to, yeah. Yeah. This you is the positive love thing, it. so you can name the yeah, positive Yeah, no, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Bella, uh, okay. I don't know if you knew her as Sky, but she was amazing. I think her ability to inspire people and motivate them, yet mm. also get stuff done, mm. I think was incredible. And mm. I mean, I always say that uh, my career wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for her because she also gave me the courage to step outside my comfort zone and really believed in me and um, and I remember just watching her from my farm and how she could just motivate a room I thought it was just so inspiring and she wasn't your typical leader like right? like the traditional leaders that I used to see at the early of my career she was mm. she was kinder but mm. she was also you know really determined and just having that breadth I thought was amazing because um, that was always the kind of, of lady that I wanted to be, but I didn't have enough role models. And so when I saw her, I was like, oh, she's brilliant, and you know she leads exactly the way I'd want to. And then yeah, I was lucky enough to work for her, um, which I think yeah was a, yeah a big catalyst for like my career.
0: I've heard a lot about Bella, but I've never met her. But I always hear this kind of thing about her that she's just amazing.
1: She's amazing, yeah, really amazing. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned earlier a little bit about emotional intelligence. So what does emotional intelligence mean to you?
1: So I think, I guess for me, it starts with being aware of my own emotions. And I think it's so important as a leader because when we become a leader of people, our emotions can massively impact them. Mm. And I remember being really conscious about that at Sky. If I was feeling stressed or overwhelmed, that being really aware of how that was impacting my behavior my tone so mm. important mm. so I think yeah being in tune with your own emotions and how it's impacting your behaviors is really important especially in the leadership context but also now as a parent because I'm a mum of two kids and I realize when I'm really stressed um, my daughter will get stressed so I need to like take a moment take a breath um and yeah really like center myself um otherwise And otherwise, yeah, it will um, manifest in her own emotions. And I think it's the same in the workplace. Uh, You know, your emotions is almost like a domino effect, right? It's contagious. Um, So, yeah, being aware of your own emotions, I think, is really important. And then secondly, being aware of other people's emotions and really understanding them. Because often what I find is that you might not see it especially in the workplace where people might be like masking their emotions not wanting to be vulnerable because you know they might think it shows them as weak etc mm. so i think being in tune to what's really going on is really important i think the only way you can do that is by you know really actively listening mm. and and just taking that time because sometimes i see emotions like manifest as as anger like people might be getting stressed and angry but actually what's underneath that is fear or failure or you know something else maybe something else going on at home
0: mm. and I
1: think it's important not to react to that big emotion that you're seeing and you know mm. really take the time to understand what's really going on And mm. I think that's true emotional intelligence
0: how would you how would you suggest that someone does that because I think in the moment sometimes there's so much going on so what's been helpful for you in terms of being able to take that step back and detach a little bit from it
1: I think not reacting in the moment. So if, you know, if somebody's getting stressed, um, listening to them, but just taking that time to pause, I think is really important. Mm. And then taking some time out before you then react, thinking. And I think just slowing down is really important. And and you know Mm. how it is at Sky, and I'm sure many corporate workplaces, the pace is really, really, really fast. fast. Mm. So sometimes you have to just really force yourself to slow down and say, actually it's getting really heated or people are getting stressed or there's something else going on like let's just slow down like you know let's cut short a meeting let's speak later this afternoon and Mm. actually yeah take that time to create those pauses in the day i think are really important because i think when we're going at like 100 miles an hour we will Mm. miss all of that stuff Mm. so actually trying to intentionally put those breaks and pauses in the day is important Mm. Mm.
0: so you just mentioned about you know maybe let's meet later and and things like that and I think sometimes that's easy as like a you know you're a senior person you're a head of department so you have that kind of no let's stop now and you can do that but what I think I've seen about your career is that you've really successfully managed up quite a lot Mm. to people who are you know a couple of levels above you so how have you been able to do that like where did you learn about being able to manage up to more senior people so that you can in that situation for example be able to say look let's slow down and have a moment, but even though you might not be the, the most senior person.
1: I don't know how I learned it, if I'm honest. I think it would probably come down to like my childhood or something. Okay. Um, but I remember <laughs> on that point that um, a really senior leader of an exec at Sky once said to me, when I asked him for feedback, was one of the things that he likes most about me is I don't treat him like an exec, that I speak to him as wow. a normal person, and that I challenge him. He's like, there's so many people that just say, oh yeah, yeah, that's a great idea, even though it's not. And he's like, but you don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. And um, he told me that, like, maybe mid in my career, and then that gave me confidence to Confident, do it even more.
0: Yeah. And wow.
1: um, and the reason I think I maybe I did it with him is, I had managed to build a relationship with him, and I think that was just about being human. Um, yeah. I always look for connection with people just because, you know, it makes life more interesting and, you know, life shouldn't just be about serious and talking about work, etc. So I always look for connection to get on with people. Mm -hmm. So I'd done that with him and we connected on a human level. And yeah, he he could be intimidating as, you know, often people are, senior Mm -hmm. leadership. But I think, because I had a relationship with him helped also I think because the work we were doing at that point it was I was doing work around gender diversity and mm. women in leadership I was really passionate about that as well mm. so because I really believed in it mm. and I thought the things that they were talking about was wrong mm. I had the courage to say no because mm. I really believed in I guess the mm. end goal and I think that also helps um to have that courage to do it and you know, at the end of it, everyone is human. It's just a job title, right? Um, And everyone is human underneath. And, you know, most of us are just making it up or guessing what we're doing or trying to figure it out. And I think experience helps. And I think that's really helped me getting that feedback was brilliant. And I think the more I did it, the more I then did it because Mm -hmm. I realized actually, yeah, people can be quite welcoming, not always, but you know, they can be. And actually, if you end up getting the result that you want, then that's the most important thing.
0: I think I liked something that you said about connecting with him and kind find like a human connection Mm. because so I was part of one of the multicultural networks at Sky and some of the feedback that we had early was that, look, you know, a lot of the managers are very different to us. You know, they're older white men. I don't have much in common with them, you know, and that kind of puts people off from trying to find that connection. So how have you kind of what are some of the things that you found that are great connecting points to someone from an ethnic, ethnically diverse background? when you're engaging with some of the exact that might not be the same as you.
1: I think I like, it's quite easy to put people into boxes, right? And I get it. I mean a lot of my friends are similar to me right mm-hmm. you know brown girls because we have a lot more in common and I and there's something called affinity bias which yeah. you may yeah may be aware of which we are as humans drawn to people who remind us of ourselves and yeah. that's more of a, of a survival instinct um so sometimes you almost have to get over that to understand that actually underneath all of that we are people and yeah. you know we have the same emotions we all get scared we all get happy we all get angry and underneath that we are the same and there is going to be things that we have in common and i think working at sky one of the easiest things was tv shows right um (laughs) so you know just things like that that you know we all watch like you know just you know it's not like we watch specific tv shows i mean i do watch some bollywood but i also watch other mainstream tv shows right um sport is a good one like i'm a big cricket fan um and so yeah if i knew people were interested in cricket i could strike up a conversation about that Mm. Parenting, once I became a parent, you know, Mm. you can strike up conversation around that. Um, Mm. Food, you know, big foodie. Um, Restaurant, there's just so much, like we are so much more Mm. than our, you know, our ethnic label or our gender identity. And I think Mm. sometimes it's it's easier um, to connect with people who who are from your community because you do have more in common, more obviously. Mm. and maybe it takes a bit more work but I think again reminding yourself that everyone is human there is going to be we will have something in common with everyone right there's going to be something
0: I love that and I think that sometimes it's almost like a mental blockage because I think that when you grow up from a different culture so like when when I stepped home it was like little Nigeria right it wasn't the same as it was out there and you see those differences really starkly and I think that sometimes it's easier to let that become a barrier from thinking that actually everybody is quite similar um so I went to a school where I was like the only black person for a long time and so I very quickly learned that actually we're all quite similar there are there yeah. are definitely differences but it's not insurmountable you know yeah
1: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean we can't get on, because of course we can. But I think it is, some of it is mental. And again, I think that just, you know, dates back to, yeah, you know, the way we're wired as humans um, in terms of where we look for connection. But yeah, I think if we get over that mental block and because we're not used to it, I think, like you said, if some people have been used to, yeah, um, growing up in an environment where there are lots of people that look like themselves and then they go into an environment when they're not, we're not used to it. So it -hmm. makes us withdraw. But actually, yeah, so it does take a bit of, like, mental courage to almost get over that and say, you know what, most people are nice, right? Most people are nice, and we'll find something in common.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I think that sometimes being different is actually a bit of an advantage, because people remember you more, like, my name's not Tom or Luke. Like, there's only one Tolu that most people will ever meet in their whole life. So it's like, if you embrace that difference, then actually you can also use it to your advantage a little bit.
1: Yeah, it makes you more interesting, right, because yeah, as exactly. so much as we'll have commonalities, there's going to be things about my like, personality, my heritage that is more interesting to you, because exactly. it's different. And I think, yeah, like honing in on that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's really great, actually, um, yeah. and can make you stand out more. And, and now we live in a world where, you know, we're trying to build our personal brand, we like social media, etc. And you're at the center of your personal brand is your uniqueness. Mm. and so I think it's really interesting that you know we grew up trying to fit in but actually then when now we're trying to actually what makes me different what makes me great what makes you know make you unique Mm. and yeah I think we need to hone into that a lot earlier than maybe we do Mm.
0: I'm, I'm really interested in your in your upbringing and your background because you mentioned that the feedback that you got was that you know you were quite willing to push back and to challenge and I think for me growing up you know I grew up Nigerian and like you don't challenge too much, right? Especially like your elders and things like that. So I'm really interested in your upbringing. Cause I think like when I got to college and they were like, call your teacher, Steve, I was like freaking out. Like what? I'm <laughs> not, it's not uncle Steve or Mr. Steve. So I'm really, it took me a little bit of time to kind of get out of that, but I'm really intrigued as to kind of like your upbringing and your background as to how you are just quite comfortable with that.
1: I think for me, it probably stems from being, <coughs> I, I'm one of three girls mm. and, um, and then we have a little brother, which is no coincidence, because my mom was put under loads of pressure to have a boy, because that's what it's like in Indian right. families. Okay. And I remember, yeah, I have a very hazy memory of my childhood, but one of my early memories is my grandma basically telling me that they didn't want another girl, because I was second, and also um, my skin was quite dark, and that's not good. Um, wow. As a woman, right? Um because essentially she said, you're a girl, it's pressured to get you married, so not only have we got another girl, we've got a girl with darker skin, so I just remember, she just told me that, like it was just, this is just normal, I was like, I can't remember how old I was, but that really like, I guess, stuck with me, Um, and I guess that unfairness of being a girl, meaning your life is just about getting married, and it's about how you look, um, yeah, really impacted, I guess, how I progressed from there, and I guess, The rebel inside me, I guess, started to grow. Just like, (laughs) like no, like you know, this is not, this is, this is not going to be a bad thing. I'm not going to let it, you know. Love that. And um, yeah, so I think it just really just stemmed from there, and just you know, proving that girls can do things that boys can do. And um, you know, I used to love cricket growing up, and again, I wasn't really allowed to play with the boys. Like it's not for girls, and I think that just that. Yeah. Desire to prove people wrong has always just been there. Um, and, and yeah, I always stand up to elders and when they're essentially like, you know, carrying forward things in a name of tradition, but actually yeah. it's, it's sexist or it's racist. And I'm like, mm. no. And mm. yeah, I think I, it all stems from that one conversation probably from my wow. grandma where she told me I wasn't wanted and I was like, wow, wow. You know, that's a lot. Right. So yeah, I think it just stems from there, because I knew, again, it wasn't just me. There were probably loads of girls around the world that are being told that they're, you know, they're not wanted. And I know, like, you know, that happens, especially in Asian countries. And that's that's just not right. So yeah, that that rebel in me, I think, grew from a very early age.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that that was the response, because I think that sometimes cultural expectations can be really crushing like Mm. really really crushing and even hearing that like I was a little bit crushed on the inside like hearing that's what like my grandma would say to me like one of the people I love the most so I'm really it's really admirable that that's the response that it invoked in you and that's you're just like burn it all down I love that
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I can imagine you could go both ways right and it did obviously impact my self-esteem and confidence as well Mm. but Mm. yeah I think luckily I had that desire within me to like prove her wrong and just prove everyone Mm. wrong and yeah I just Yeah, maybe naturally just felt this desire to like, yeah, you know, like be there for all the girls, like, you know, across the nation that are being told it's like, this, this is not right. Mm. Um, So, I mean, I didn't change my name when I got married. Okay. Um... And partially, it was because of that as well. And again, that's like rebellious behavior. But it's like, actually, one of the reasons people don't want girls is, oh, you lose your, your chain, right? Your heritage, right. because you lose your surname. I was like, okay, so I'm just not going to change my surname. <laughs> because now that's not a thing. Actually, girls can yeah. also keep that line going. So yeah. Um Yeah, that rebel in me is still alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it. Love it. A bit of competitive spirit is great. It's absolutely great. So... Well, two of the things that you did at Sky was you started a couple of networks. You started the Multicultural Network and also the Women in Leadership Network. And as someone who's worked at Sky for a long time, I've seen the impact of those networks. So firstly, I wanted to say thank you, because it makes a massive difference for someone coming in after you. Um, But I wanted to hear a little bit about the journey and the story of how you started not just one, but two networks.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's so good to hear that they're going strong as well, you know, part of, they're one of the, like the best things that I did while I was at Sky. And I think again, that journey probably just evolved from my childhood, right? I then found myself in the workplace. And I was often the only woman who looked like me in the room. And it can impact your self esteem and your confidence. And when you don't see role models like you, you start questioning yourself, like, can I get there? But yeah, one day it just dawned on me that there were going to be other people like me in other rooms across sky like sky has got 26,000 people. So I know like there's such power in connection and bringing people together. And that's mm-hmm. what I really wanted to do with the networks, um, both for women, but for people from ethnic backgrounds is actually bring us together. So actually we don't feel like, you know, we're mm-hmm. a, a minority and there's so much power in sharing experiences with other people um, who have similar upbringings or have similar, I guess anxieties and just talking about them and being really vulnerable in in a place that feels really safe. Hmm. Um, So, so yeah, they really just grew from there. And I think part of it was also because the work that I was doing in my day job with women in leadership was around um, trying to create more gender diversity. And I saw so much there was so much power when I just brought women together in a room just to talk like we did loads yeah. of focus groups and the energy in the room was just mm. so amazing and I thought we just need to do this more often you know it shouldn't be part of this formal program where mm. only certain women get invited on actually we should just be able to have these safe spaces everywhere we go mm. and yeah so it just grew from there
0: and how did you find it leading a network because when you're like a head of or a manager you've got direct kind of authority over people right because you're their manager, so they kind of have to do it one of the tough things sometimes about leading a network like that is that people are volunteering their time and it's not their day job they're doing on top of their day job so what were some of the challenges that you had and how did you overcome them in terms of leading people that aren't necessarily your direct reports
1: yeah it's a good question because it is really really hard and I think that's when true, your true leadership is tested because it's essentially about inspiring people to want to do it mm. and because they are volunteering. Mm. I think I guess what helped is all these people are passionate about the cause. Mm. And I think it's kind of just honing in on that passion and making sure people are seeing the fruits of their labor, understanding like the impact of what they're doing, you know even if their role seems like it's really small because, they, you know, booking a speaker for an event, actually the impact of that event is all of these mm. people have come and been inspired and grown mm. in confidence. So I think making sure you're connecting those dots was really important and really feeding back and making sure people were, were seeing that impact where possible as well. Mm. Also being able to understand everyone's individual motivations. I think when people are volunteers for a network, the main motivation is about driving change. Um, some of it also, like, from a career perspective, getting new skills, mm-hmm. getting in front of leadership because it gave a good platform to do that. Mm-hmm. So being able to understand everyone's motivations and helping them and supporting them, like I was really conscious about I, making sure I wasn't the only one presenting to the exec on this is what we're doing at a network. Like I would always try and put other people from the network in those rooms. And that, again, gave them the recognition that they really deserved. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was really conscious I didn't want to be the face of the network because I thought there's a, a massive team behind it and just ensuring that they were getting the recognition and, and they were also getting the opportunities that they wanted. Was really, really important.
0: And were there any challenges that you had in terms of when you were implementing the networks and trying to get them up and running? Was there any challenges that you had to overcome in terms of getting it approved or getting it done or getting it embedded in in the culture?
1: I think there were no real challenges in setting it up. Everyone was really positive um, from the exec, senior leadership. Just tell us what you want to do. Um, Mm. So that was really great. Even in getting volunteers for the committee, there was actually that, that was, um, we were oversubscribed in anything. So we had to put a process in place and decided to do like rotation. So people get to um, have chances every year. I mm. guess the challenge was more embedding it into the culture, mainly because Sky is a massive organization and, and comms is hard. Mm. Um, so it was just almost just quite difficult, like getting it out there that the, cult, the network exists and the purpose of it, etc. And also, I guess one of the other challenges is the backlash, like "What about us?" Mm-hmm. Um, which we got from some communities mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, great, you've got a women network and you've got a multicultural network, but you know, we want a network and we want a network over here. And I mean, my answer always that was great. I could help you set one up. Like, go yeah. for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there was some of that. Um, but other than that, to be honest, it was just about time. Um, to embed maybe some challenges in terms of, I think, within the multicultural space, because multicultural is wide, right? I think women's almost, either not that all women are the same, but within the multicultural network, we have so many different ethnicities, so I was really aware of at the time that I didn't want to have a committee that was just like Indian or you know just represented one one part of you know the multicultural that we have at Sky. So trying to have a diverse committee was really important. Mm. But I think just making sure we were doing things um, for everybody um, was just a bit of a challenge, I guess, because you know limited time and resources, etc. Mm.
0: Mm. I think that thing of like if you don't see what you want start it is so yeah. important so important so
1: important yeah because I think sometimes people wait for permission and I'm not the kind of person that does that <laughs> so, um, but like just just do it right do it, yeah. yeah exactly as long as you're yeah. doing you know you're not hurting anyone or doing anything wrong just just do it mm. And I just just follow your passion and you'll find other people who are just as passionate as you and I mm. think that was one brilliant thing about Sky that I felt really empowered to just do mm. stuff and set up mm. committees and yeah, it was great. So,
0: I know we've talked a lot about Sky. I'd love to hear some about your life after Sky. So, what have you been doing since then?
1: I just laughed because life after Sky is the hashtag. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, that really made really me laugh. It's um, so ingrained, isn't it? Life yeah. after Sky. So, yeah, it's interesting as well because I was at Sky for 13 years. I actually do think about my life, like life at Sky and life after yeah. Sky. That's like yeah, two yeah. phases of my life. It hasn't been that long, though. I mean, only a few years. And I've done a few things, but it's been brilliant because I've given myself permission to experiment. And I think it was just so important. (laughs) I came out of sky and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I was scared that, what if I do something and it doesn't work out, but Mm. I was like... At least I've tried, you know, mm. like it's such a good opportunity to try something. And I was very fortunate um, from a financial perspective and from a family perspective that I could do that for a short term. But mm. I almost had like a one year window. Where okay. I'm like, okay, let me try something and see what happens. So I set up my own coaching and consultancy business. I did some coaching training. Uh, when I reflected on my career at Sky, one of the things I enjoyed the most was, when I was working with people, motivating people, inspiring people, all of that stuff. And I really wanted to hone in on that. Mm. Um, So the coaching and consultancy that I do is focused around EDI, being your authentic self at work. And then I also do work more around how do you create cultures where people can be themselves. So I work with leadership, because again, that's a lot of the work I did at Sky. And Mm. that was rewarding in another way. um, Mm. Because essentially, I could see the challenges that people were finding to be themselves and it's so important that I think we go both bottom up um, Mm, and empowering people to drive change but also top down and I couldn't decide which one I want to do and I still don't know so I'm just doing both and we'll see where we go. Um, And then I got a part time job maybe three or four months ago with England cricket boards you know I talked about my passion for cricket started really early on and they were recruiting um, in their diversity space. So that's really big priority for them. And I remember when I saw that job, I was like, wow, it sounds brilliant, but I was just kicking off my business. So I went through those like motions of, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it was advertisers full time. But again, maybe that rebelliousness in me, where right? <sighs> so I just went for it. And then I said to them, like, I'd love it, but I can only do it part time. And thankfully they agreed. And, and now I'm managing both. And for now it's brilliant. And I feel privileged every day that I get to do my own business and, and find my own way um, and have the flexibility to do that. But I also have got a stable income, which I realized is really important. And then I ran out when I ran out of my funds, I thought actually, you know, entrepreneurship entrepreneurship is really hard actually. And um, I'm not that type of person that can be comfortable with not knowing where my next paycheck is coming from. That's just not me. So yeah, so I feel like I have a nice hybrid now where I've got a part-time role that I really love and I feel like I'm making a difference, but then I also have the flexibility of, of doing um, my own thing and following my passion.
0: That's awesome. And you also do some speaking as well, right?
1: Yeah, part of my consultancy and coaching side, I guess. Um, yeah, so I speak on various topics around... EDI, how to drive um, inclusion in the workplace, but also I, I speak a lot with employee networks and so we're speaking to people about how to be the authentic self at work mm. and how to find the courage to do that and build your self-esteem and confidence. Um, and I, and I love that stuff.
0: Mm. What are what are so we talked about your top three leadership lessons from Sky. What are your top three leadership lessons that you've learned post Sky? Oh,
1: that's a good question. Uh, well there's no such thing as failure, just feedback, which was a quote that I read and really stuck with me because it's just so important and it's just so true. Like we can feel like we make a mistake and we failed, but it's not, it's just feedback. And I think just giving yourself permission to not be successful all the time is okay. And I think when I was at Sky, my career was just growing and I was just going up the hierarchy. I got so used to it. And I think for me, it's been, yeah, I think really an important part of my personal growth, actually, to almost just not go backwards, but actually make some mistakes and do things mm-hmm. that I'm usually not brilliant at and say, okay, that's fine, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's just, I'm just learning about myself. And um, yeah, I think that's been really, really good.
0: Would you mind sharing like a feedback moment?
1: Um, a feedback moment. So I thought like, I came out of Sky, And I was really good at what I did. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to start my own business and people are just going to book me up because obviously I'm great at what I do, but it didn't quite happen as quickly as I thought. I starting to get, you know, external companies, uh, you know, to start engaging with me and trusting me took a lot longer than I anticipated. Mm. And I think part of that was because I hadn't spent time building my personal brand because I was mm. just so internally focused at Sky and everyone at Sky knew me, right? Yeah. Um, but when I came yeah. out of Sky, like, no one knew me, right? I know
0: how you feel. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know how I feel, right? I and then it's like I was like, oh wow okay so
0: yeah
1: yeah that was a big moment for me that's actually it was almost like starting again okay now i need to start building my brand which is why i then started using linkedin and social media i Mm. really went on this journey of actually now i need to almost i also had to tap into like an uncomfortable part of me or like self-promotion because i think at sky my work spoke for itself and i had some brilliant advocates that would speak for me and say shivani's great yeah you know take a chance on her but externally, it doesn't work that way. So I had to like go on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm great, look at all this great stuff that I've done. And I <laughs> felt really uncomfortable, but I had to do it. Yeah. So yeah, so that was a real journey for me actually. Okay. And, I, and I'm still not super comfortable with it, but I understand it more, right? It's like, actually, mm. that's what you need to do. Mm. Um, and that's okay. Mm. Um, and then you talk about failure, but it's, it's really small things like you do a LinkedIn post and you don't get any likes. <laughs> and that feels really crap, right? And I thought I was better than that. I thought I'm not that type of person who cares about likes. You know, I'm just not that kind of person. I tell you, I do. I I really do. When people don't like my posts, yeah, I don't like it. (laughs) And um, yeah, and I've had to really work on that as well. That yeah, maybe I do need some external validation. And Mm. and actually, I shouldn't. And how do I work on that? You know. Mm. So I've like learned new things about myself that I now need to work on, and I have been working on. so yeah, but you don't realize until you put yourself out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, and <laughs> I can identify with so much of what you said as well. So thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey post Sky. Actually, I've like yeah, mm. like so much rediscovery or new discovery as well about myself. And mm. I think it's been brilliant because had I still been at Sky or in a safe corporate role, I would never have. I learn all of these things about myself or put myself into these situations which haven't all been brilliant but on reflection I've learned a lot from
0: Mm. Mm. I don't know if it feels the same for you but I feel like for me it's like it reminds me of when I left home to go to uni you know like Mm. I've been at home for like 18 years Mm. and now I'm going out into the world getting my own house you know buying my own stuff and it's it's that's how it's felt for me in terms of leaving Sky after so long
1: for me when I left home to finally get uni, it was just liberating, <laughs> I'll be honest, right? I got my credit card, I got my student loan and that was a brilliant feeling. I just felt like, yeah, yeah the world is my oyster. Yeah. I think Leaving Sky, there was a little bit of that, like the world yeah. is my oyster type of feeling that I can yeah. I can you know, I can now create this new path. And that part was yeah, like empowering, but in a scarier way because yeah. you know I didn't really know what that path looks like and I still don't, but I'm more yeah. comfortable with that. Mm. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years. I have no mm. idea. You know, what mm. is my job title going to be? Don't know, right? Mm. But I'm okay with that. And mm. um, I think that's a great place to be.
0: And I feel like the path that you're on and the trail that you're blazing is going to be more than you could think of what it is, if that makes sense. So yes, you yeah. don't know what your job title, but it could be something that doesn't even exist right now, but that's better than what you ever thought it was going to be
1: and this is it. like why limit yourself right yeah. so i think like growing up at sky you know i always had my eye on a job title okay, yes. that's what i want to be in two years that's what i want to be in yes. five years but then i always feel like you limit yourself because you're just so laser focused but actually yeah. there's so many other things that you could be and so many other mm. things that you could do mm. so actually like not thinking about it in that way has been really empowering actually mm. just knowing that yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do in five years mm. it could be something really cool i don't know mm. But yeah, I'm just like not limiting myself.
0: I'm excited to see what, where you end up, so.
1: Yeah, who knows, do know, <laughs> God. Back Sky? who knows, right? Wow, who knows? knows, we see you in five years time.
0: People keep who telling knows? me like, do I want to go back to Sky? I'm like, I'm more expensive now than I was then, so I don't know <laughs> if that's gonna happen.
1: You never know, I never say never. I mean, I can't yeah. see it happening, um, yeah. but I never say never.
0: Never say never, you never know what happens.
1: Exactly.
0: Shirani, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation and thank you for being vulnerable with, with your journey as well. I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect to be so vulnerable, but I think that's just where the conversation <laughs> took us. But I guess that's not a bad thing either. But yeah, no, thank you. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Good. And I'm, and I'm, I'm sure this is going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much.
1: I hope so. Thank you.
0: And thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for watching this episode of the Do EQ Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, flick through our channel and there's loads more that you can watch. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel so that you can hear first when new episodes drop. We'll catch you on the next episode.